Practice the Law with Kathy Rue. Kathy uses her years of experience and dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now here's your host, Kathy Rue. Everyone, thank you for joining us today, Monday, January 23rd. Always a blessed Monday to be here in the studio. I'm here with Kevin Ebley. Hey, Kevin. Hello, hello. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy New Year. And also, uh, we have a guest in the studio with us today, Dominique Henderson. Thank you, Kathy. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're going to do a second part in our financial series uh, segments. And so, Dominique's here today to talk to us about uh, financial uh, information, financial planning, financial investment, financial goals. But before we get to all of that, we want to do some fun stuff. I got my party hat on. <laughs> this is my New Year's party hat, everyone. So I'm bringing in the New Year's a That's little bit It's a pretty rocking party late. hat. I, I, yeah. I think it's a rocking party hat, too. Do we have those in larges for my, for my yes, head? Yes, yeah. yes, they do. <laughs> um, and so this, this hat serves several functions. It's my New Year's party hat. It is my thinking cap. And it's also my segue into Mardi Gras. Because, of course, I'm a native New Orleanian. Right. And I hold that near and dear to my heart. <laughs> you know we're going to get a bunch of listener emails asking, where can I get one of those hats? Good. You can get it in New Orleans. Go to Mardi Gras. You can get plenty of them. Go to New Orleans for the Mardi Gras. We may have to play that music uh, during the break. <laughs> we will be playing that at some point today, yes. I promise. But um, this hat also serves as my thinking cap. I keep this hat in my office, and when I get stuck or I can't figure out uh, something, I put my hat on, like uh, Blue's Clues. He gets in his chair, and he sits (laughs) down, and he thinks. (laughs) I have my thinking cap. So... I love this hat. Um, this is sort of like, uh, you know, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz had her ruby slippers. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. This is, I have my Mardi Gras hat. Inspiration. So, yes, yes. This takes me back home. This is <laughs> crucial. This is important. Everybody <laughs> needs to get one of these hats. <laughs> it's multi-purpose. Yes. So this is the first show since, the you know, bringing in the new year. So this is going to be my New Year's show. And uh, Dominique and I talked about some New Year's resolutions. <laughs> you know, when the New Year comes in, everybody wants to start all over and set their goals, which is a good thing, which is what you should do. Um, look at it as having a clean sheet of paper in front of you, um, and you get to plan out your year as best you can. And so oftentimes people will come up with New Year's resolutions, like starting an exercise program, picking a hobby, learning a new skill, uh, reading more books, um, eating healthier. Um, this show, we're going to focus on financial goals for the New Year's. So Dominique, do you want to talk a, a few minutes about some financial goals we should be setting for ourselves? Yeah, it's kind of interesting you say that. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking here on this website that I found. It's called uh, Statistic Brain, and in the in this order, one, two, three: lose weight, healthier eating, life self improvements, and then better financial decisions. So that is the, you, you hit the nail the on the head. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. So so everybody. Adopt those three for the new year, and you're good to go. And That's probably all you some need more. Those three. No, <laughs> you just need those three. But um, there's a lot of financial. Yeah, mine was new drink less beer. So I mean. Right? <laughs> I it, think you, that's under other. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. Miscellaneous. I think if you come up with some with uh, very detailed, concrete um, resolutions, I think that's a lot easier to stick to than just something really broad like better financial planning or right. you know um, assess my financial state or something like that. I think one of the starting points is, of course, to sit down, as painful as it may be, uh, 
schedule a block of time for yourself. Um, and this could be a New Year's resolution, too, to, that every month or every week or every two weeks, schedule a block of time to review your finances. Um, but to start off, you need to schedule that block of time to assess your financial situation. You need to determine where you are financially. And sometimes that can be quite painful, but that is the first step because you can't go forward. You can't set a goal unless you know where you are. You need to know what state your finances are in so that you know how to move yourself forward to whatever your goal is. Don't you think that's a reasonable I would totally point? agree. I think um, probably the only thing I would add to that, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a gym rat and a pool rat. So I go uh, work out and swim all the time. And some of the people that I'll probably see after February, because that's when everybody drops off, is right after February, um, are the people that have um, a partner with them, right? So, you know, you'll see somebody lifting weights and they'll have a spotter. So I think the, the accountability is probably really key, you know, once you do assess the situation that you're in and kind of address that, hey, I want to be at point B versus point A, and how do I get there? Um, you may want to employ some accountability, and that may look like, Hiring a professional like us, you know, like a financial advisor, or if you need to get your estate planning done, you need to hire an estate planning attorney. Or if you, you know, you have an insurance policy that you've been neglecting to, um, you know, put into place that you get with that type of person. So I, I think it's just more than the notion of, you know, saying, OK, it's a new year. I want to do this, but actually putting some action to that. I agree. And if it's a frightening prospect for some people, it can be. <clears throat> um, if it's daunting to you, if you just, you know, don't want to look at your finances for whatever reason, um, because it, it seems... Um, <clears throat> very challenging. <laughs> um, partner with someone. That's a great piece of advice. Um, you can find someone to do a free consult for you. It could be a bookkeeper. It could be an accountant. It could be a financial planner. It could be someone such as uh, Dominique, who is a financial investor. It could be an attorney such as myself, where you start off um, assessing your estate planning. And from there, you can segue into your finances. Um, anything that's going to help you do an inventory and assess where you are financially is a great starting point. After you've done that, you then then you want to look at what your goals are. What is it you want to achieve during this year? You've got 12 whole months ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Each month, you can take a small step towards achieving those goals. By the end of the year, you'll see that you've made significant progress towards your goals. It could be setting up a retirement, contributing more to your retirement. It could be setting up a savings plan, contributing more to your savings plan. It could be something simple as revising your spending patterns or paying off credit card debt or paying off any type of debt. So there's all types of goals, financial goals you can set for yourself, just like you would at the gym. If you yeah. were going to the gym, if your goal was weight loss, you would break that down into several different steps of how many pounds you want to lose and how are you going to integrate that with your eating habits and when are you going to exercise and what type of exercise will you do? Will you just do aerobic? Will you also add in weightlifting? Um, 
you know, there's there's all kinds of different methodologies of approaching that goal of weight loss. Yeah. Um, but the first thing you want to do is you want to get on the scale and see what your weight is. <laughs> you have to assess and the situation. You yeah. have to know what yeah. your weight is to determine whether or not you've lost any weight after you follow all these steps. So that goes back to finding out where you are financially. Yeah. And I would say, you know, you, you touched on some things. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of the clients I work with, you know, they just don't know what the first step is, right? So um, sometimes, you know, it could be hard to find a reference or somebody that you trust when it comes to your finances, especially if, you, if you've already acknowledged that you need help. And so I would recommend, you know, the um, I'm a certified financial planner, so the CFP board, you can go to uh, letsmakeaplan.org and you can find a financial planner in your area. Um, so that's something you can do. Um, also, the Financial Planning Association has a, a website called plannersearch.org. And so you can always find a, and the reason why I recommend these sites is just because um, I know the standards um, for both of these organizations since I'm a part of, of both of them. And you're going to be finding somebody that's a fiduciary that has your best interest in mind, that could walk you through it, that's going to have a, the heart of a teacher. And you got to do it just like anything else. You have to interview you know, the person that you want to work with. So, um, And then they can always visit my website, um, uh, www.djh-capital.com and get some information in there. So, you know, I'm all about helping people. Um, and sometimes I know you just need that, that nudge in the right direction uh, because, in, you know, most people have really great intentions. It's just the follow-through part. Right? I, I have a question for you guys, just on a, on a personal <laughs> level. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, if you wanted to set an immediate goal for something that uh, <laughs> happens, you know, towards the beginning of the year, like, say, the end of the month, everybody's getting their W-2 or your 1099. and So maybe you could set a goal to you really want to maximize your tax refund. I mean, is that, a, you think, a good, like, obtainable goal one could set and, and, and you know, actually achieve in the new year? Well, I think it's important to look at when you say maximize your refund. I think that that is, um, that concerns me when I hear that. When I hear someone say, I want to maximize my refund. I would agree. Because that's something we talked a little bit that's about true. in our last show. Is you said that, you don't even want to have a refund because you don't want to have to give that money to, to yeah, begin with. Yeah, so basically what you should be looking at, and instead of maximizing the money you're going to get back from the IRS as a tax refund, you want to look at minimizing the money your you're loaning refund. the government basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, because throughout the year, um, basically if you're getting a large refund back, um, the, what that means oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes what that means is that your withholdings are not set up properly. And so you aren't deducting enough on your wage withholdings. So the IRS is taking out more taxes from your paycheck every pay period. And then at the end of the year, that's when you get that money back. So the IRS has been holding your money right. all throughout the year. What you want to do is maximize your deduction by using your by revising your W-4 form with your employer to make sure that you're taking the correct amount of deductions so you're getting the most money to live on every pay period and you're paying the least amount of taxes to the federal government. Because too many people look at it, it's, it's like a gift, but it's not. It was your money. <laughs> it's I mean, not. It's you, your money you you're made getting that money. back. Yeah. You're getting your, your own money, money back. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you can earmark if you see that you're going, that your withholdings aren't properly adjusted and that you will be getting more money every pay period once you revise your W-4, you can earmark that money to go into a savings account, to go into a retirement, um, to go into a 
you know, uh, uh, on a wish list. For example, if you're looking at buying a new car, if you're looking at saving for a down payment for a home, uh, if you're you looking at paying You can also use it for your debt. IRA deduction for this particular year. Or, like, I mean, you actually have up until April to um, contribute to your IRA. So if you're getting a big tax refund, you can use it for your HSA contribution or your IRA contribution, which both serve to reduce your tax liability. For 2016, yeah. that's correct. We yeah. talked about that uh, last show. And that's really important because now if you, what you need to be doing and partly in assessing your financial situation is you need to be uh, running your tax return now. Do it now. It's January. January is almost over. Today's the 23rd. We've only got about eight more days in this month. February's coming up. Um, let this be your Valentine's Day present to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do your tax return. Do a projected tax return to see what your tax liability is because you still have time to adjust that liability. If you wait until the last minute, April the 15th, you're not going to have any time to adjust that liability. But if you see what it is, you can contribute to your retirement account and get credit now, even though you're doing it in 2017, if you do it before April 15th, it yeah. will count for the tax year 2016. So you'll get credit for that, and it could reduce your tax liability. And, and you could be missing out. I mean, waiting till the last minute because, say, throughout the like, for an example, me and, and an audio professional, sometimes around here I don't have time to go and get company uh, monies in order to fix something or buy something, so I just go and I do it myself, and then you know I keep the receipt, and that's something that I can write off. But if you wait until the last minute and you can't track all that stuff down, you could be missing out on serious yeah, uh, thing, deductions that you, you'll miss. So receipts would be pretty difficult the weekend before the tax filing. Deadline. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tracking them all down and adding it all up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially doing it by yourself if you're like, you know, most people these days do it from home. Yeah. You know, I think that you're doing yourself a... It's a disadvantage to wait until the last minute, yeah. which I'll admit I've done several times in my life. Yeah. So if you break it down into very small parts, it becomes much more manageable. For example, set aside one hour a week. You can start there. Find one hour in your week. You've got to find it. it you, know, this, you owe this to yourself. So don't say, I can't find an hour in my week. If, if it was something important to you, if it was going to the gym, if it was going on right. a date, if it was working overtime, whatever it is, you would find the time to do it if it was important to you. This is important to you. This is your finances. This is what you're working for every day. Find one hour out of every week. It could be on a Saturday morning, a Saturday night, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night. Set that one hour aside and start working on your taxes, getting all of your receipts together, getting your IRS forms together, getting your 1099s, W-2s, whatever it is that you've been sent uh, from the IRS in terms of reporting your income. Start now gathering all of yeah. that information and organizing it now while you still have time. And then next month, come February, you're in a better position to evaluate where you are in terms of your tax liability. I would agree. I, I do that myself. I, I, you know, at the beginning of each year, I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd. So I create a tax folder labeled 2016. And as the year goes on, I just throw stuff into that folder, into the file cabinet. And around this time of year, I just pull it all out. And it's all organized in one folder. I just start inputting it. 
you know, spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes a weekend on TurboTax. I, I did that this year for the very first time. <laughs> it tells you tax troublesome. It, it absolutely helps. does. Yeah. I have all my receipts, yeah. all my ducks in a row, yeah. ready yeah. to go. Yeah, and you can use a box, you can use a folder, you know, whatever you want to use, but just keep it centralized. Keep a place that's designated, and as the year goes, put those receipts in there. I do the same thing, yeah. and then I have them all in one place. Then I can sit down, pull it out, and go through it and organize it. So those are some really good tips. Also, if you are inclined to do it yourself, you certainly can. There are some tools out there that are available. You can use Quicken. You can buy Quicken. It's affordable. It's, it may not be the cheapest software out there, but it's an affordable software that you can buy to help you manage your finances. You can link it to your bank accounts. You can download the information from your bank accounts into Quicken. It helps you, if you're running a small business, determine your profits, your losses. It helps you manage manage your debt. It uh, will uh, to help you assess what your worth is, your net worth. So that's a really good tool to look to use to manage your finances. There's also QuickBooks. And of course, there's TurboTax. Just about everybody has heard of TurboTax. It's a good software. Yeah, I believe it's also made by Intuit, which makes Quicken. They interface well together. So all of the information that you use in Quicken, you can just dump that electronically into TurboTax and generate a um, proposed uh, tax return for 2016. So those are all good tools to use that. And you don't have to use those. Those are just the ones that come to my mind, you know, off the top of my head. But get online and do some research. You may find something that's more user-friendly or something that works better for you. The point is there are financial tools out there that you can use that are affordable, that are accessible, that are uh, user-friendly, and to help you manage your finances. We are about to go to break. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on Monday. It's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining, blue skies. Um, stay tuned. We're going to come back and talk more about taxes and financial planning. For Good Radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. tuned in to It's the Law. It's the Law, everybody, with Kathy Rue. Y'all can't see me. Ha <laughs> ha, there I go. Victory. It's the Law, everyone, with Kathy Rue. Welcome back to my show today. We're having a great show. We're in the studio today with Kevin Ebling. Yes, hey, lots Kevin. of energy today. Lots of energy. And Dominique Henderson. Yes, yes. Enough energy for all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so, I'm happy to start off the new year. We were joking before the show even started. They were teasing me because I was talking about how this was my New Year's hat. And I was talking about the song, song Old Lang Syne. And um, someone mentioned that that is a song to close out 2016. <laughs> I am still closing out 2016. I probably won't get 2016 closed out until February. But that's okay. I'm transitioning. I'm closing and opening at the same time. Is that it's your a New good Year's thing. resolution to close out the year earlier next year? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. I'll probably take this into Mardi Gras. Hopefully, I'll, I'll have 2016 closed out by Mardi Gras. That's okay. my goal, actually. Okay. Okay. And, that, and I can live with that. That's a good thing. And then I bring in the new year for me. 
with Mardi Gras. Okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> that counts as a New Year's resolution. That's that's fine. I think so. It works for me. Um, I just want to plug myself for a minute. I'm Kathy Rue with the Law Office of Kathy Rue. I've been practicing law for over 20 years now. I'm licensed to practice in the states of Louisiana and Texas and considering getting a third license in another state adjacent to Texas. Do you really need more work, Kathy? I mean, come on. You're, so think, you're the hardest working attorney well, in Well, I am the hardest working attorney in DFW. Thank you, Kevin. I was just told yesterday I work like an elephant. I live like a mouse. <laughs> Maybe Never I want to switch before. that around and live like an elephant and work like a mouse. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll be able to do that if I get my, my retirement set up properly and hey, get my finances in place. <laughs> That's why we're here today talking about it. I'm a solo practitioner. My office is located in Grapevine. I do excellent customer service for my clients. I enjoy practicing law. I enjoy representing my clients. I enjoy meeting with my clients. I like what I do. I'm excited about it. And I thank God for the opportunities that he has given me to do this, um, waking me up every day, keeping my health, keeping my mind so that I can practice law, do it well, serve my clients. Um, I do it all by the grace of God. I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm managing my practice. I'm the accountant, the secretary, the receptionist, the lawyer, the law clerk. But that's okay because I do it all by the grace of God. So thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you for getting me here safely. I was telling Kevin and Dominique on the way here, I saw a terrible accident. So I'm thankful that I got here to the studio safely and happy to be here today and look forward to the rest of the show with my listeners. Good stuff. Yeah. And the type of uh, law that I practice is probate and estate planning. I do a, a a good bit of that type of work, but I also have a general civil practice. And through my general civil practice, I do family law issues, consumer law issues. I do tenant landlord landlord issues. I also do litigation at both the state and federal levels. So I stay busy and... Um, I'm always willing to help a client if I can with any type of legal issue that they have. So for the rest of the show, we're going to be talking about taxes. Whatever whatever <laughs> we want to talk about. I think, uh, you know, tax planning, we can spend some time on that just because that's kind of apropos. I think uh, just to piggyback on maybe Kevin's thought earlier, um, what, a, what a tax refund really represents is um, essentially – a small mistake on your part. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, a lot of people do not know this. <laughs> yeah, I think the 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 you know, most people hand out that W4 or most employers hand you the W4, you put your social security number on it, you do some math that doesn't really make sense to you and then you sign it and give it back. <laughs> yeah. And no, no, really. Yeah. It's true. And yeah. then and I think, you know, the employer just so you know behind the scenes, all they do is plug that into a calculator to know how much to withhold from your paycheck, and then unless you tell them otherwise, that's what happens. So I mean, I've probably done that with every job when I fill one out. I just get zero, 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 and, and I would hand say, it back, sign it. I would say that if you itemize deductions on your tax return and you don't do the back side of your double four, you're more than likely incorrectly withholding evidence by the fact that you get a tax refund. And so, you know, the best way to handle that, obviously, is to go through the worksheet on the back, which is not that difficult. You just, you know, actually, it tells you about that in the first paragraph. But um, you can be using that money, you know, for, for instance, if you get a $1,200 refund, it represents $100 a month that you could be using to pay down debt or some other financial goal besides giving the IRS and the U.S. Treasury Department a tax-free 
uh, interest or, or interest-free loan for the for 15 months or so. So I, I think most people are, you know, there's just something overlooked and that you could easily correct, especially during this time of the year, because during this time of the year, you're also going to have like the benefits enrollment and things like that. So this is a perfect time to just print one of those out, give it to your HR director and have your, you know, the next 11 months be correct on your paycheck. Sure. And you can go to HR and ask to see a copy of your current W-4 and sit down with them. Sometimes HR can help you uh, determine if you're having difficulty with the calculations, if you don't know how to maximize your deductions. You know, the instructions, you can go to irs.gov. They have publications that you can read that will instruct you on how to do it. They actually have a paycheck calculator, too. Yes. So you can use that. Good. So you can go to your HR director and sit down with them. Sometimes they are able to help you. Um, again, you can go to an accountant or bookkeeping. Uh, they may, you may find someone who will offer you a thirty-minute consult to sit down with you uh, to do that to look over your W four. Yeah, so, I would say too. <laughs> the other, the other caveat to that is, you know, people get this big tax refund that they anticipate um, all year, and then usually maybe four or five weeks after that tax refund comes, you're like, so what did you use that on? I don't really know. So, <laughs> I think I think that's another lesson in that you know that could be being that could be money used to a, a much higher and productive use, especially when it comes to you know the fact that you know if you look at any of the statistics, you know most people have credit card debt, most people have student loans, all these things that could be getting paid off so that you can increase your net worth, uh, which is the whole goal, right? Everybody wants a positive net worth, and so the more liabilities you have on that side of the balance sheet that you could be using um, during the year to pay down, you know, with, say, for instance, uh, over withholding in your tax refund, um, I, I would highly advise that. Um, and, and if you need help with that, by all means, I can, I can, one of, one of the cases I tell all the time is um, I looked at a client uh, tax return. That's one of the first things I do when I engage with the client and saw this huge number. I won't say what it was. And I go, you're probably over withholding. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? So long story short, they end up getting about $2,000 back into every month's paycheck to use towards their goals. And that's awesome. That's a great help that they probably needed in their budget and didn't realize they had access to. So, I mean, I've seen refund checks as high as (laughs) $3,600, you know, and that's about $300 a month that you could be adding to your budget, arguably. Uh, Maybe a little less, but, you know, it may come out to about $300 a month. So that's something to to, to really look at. So that's a a first good goal. That could be one of your financial goals review my W-4 with my employer. It's very simple, very concrete, detailed, and calendar it. You know, set your calendar up, give yourself a date when you're going to do that. Again, set aside that one hour a week and take the time to do it. You can get a copy of your W-4, and then in that one hour a week that you've set aside, you can review it, do the calculations, read the publication on how to properly withhold from your paycheck, and um, get that resolved for yourself. And if you do that in January or February, then you've got 10 whole months ahead of yourself where you can start seeing the benefit of that one minor adjustment. Yeah, if you, if you, and just real quickly, if you take the backside of the W-4, the worksheet, and you have your very latest tax return, that's all you need, those two documents, and, um, and then just read. <laughs> just spend the time to read through there, so you'll, you'll be good. Did you want to transition and talk a little bit about uh, 
the, the we have a new a new president that just took yeah, office, so and he's got some um, some new policies. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I, I get questions about this all time about what tax policy may may be and what are some of the things that we have coming down the pike. And I think the first thing to realize is that there's probably not a really a real good general consensus right now because uh, President Trump has his plan and Congress have their plan. They kind of overlap with some of the things, but they're not totally there. And I mean, we're essentially probably looking at some time before they can agree on everything. But some of the things I just wanted to highlight that people may want to think about in the future is um, there may be a cap on itemized deductions right now. Um, those don't start phasing out for a little while, but President Trump has... I guess kind of said that he wants a simplification of the tax code. So we're taking the brackets from seven to three in his proposal. We're capping itemized deductions um, and the itemized deductions. I don't know. I think the cap is two hundred thousand um, dollars, if I remember correctly. And the standard deduction would be going up. So it's just things to be thinking about. And I think the other thing is for the the decamillionaires out there. I'm plenty. I'm plenty sure you have all those listeners too in the audience, right? <laughs> I hope I do. Is the, is of the, course. Is the, is the repeal of the um, what he called the death tax, but the estate tax? Mm-hmm. So those are those are things that just be kind of be you know looking at. And if you're working with a CPA, I would definitely ask those type of questions and how that may impact future returns and how you you may look at planning, gifting strategies, charitable gifting, all that kind of stuff like that, and people planning for their estate, especially as you get older. Um, all the more reason to probably talk to a person like yourself, Kathy, because as laws change, estate plans have to be updated, right? Yes, yes. So come talk to me about your estate plan, and that's something I, I can advise you on and help you with. But going back to um, the President Trump's tax policy, because this is a, a hot topic since he's been inaugurated and he is currently our president now, and he will begin very shortly implementing his policies um, according to what he campaigned on. So in looking at his tax policy, you know, one of his policies was to reduce taxes across the board, especially for working and middle income Americans. Um, his goal is to allow them to receive massive tax reductions. So when you look at the brackets and the rates adjustment that he's talking about, um, for married joint filers, if you earn, if your gross is less than $75,000, you're looking at a 12% tax rate if you're earning between $75,000 but less than $225,000, you're looking at a 25% tax rate. And if you're earning more than $225,000, you're looking at a 33% tax rate. And those three tax rates, it would be half the amount that single filers would pay. So that's what his plan currently is. Um, He's looking at also, um, you talked about the standard deduction for joint filers. He's looking at increasing it to $30,000 from the current $12,600 that it is. And then for standard, uh, for single filers, he's looking at increasing the standard deduction to $15,000. And then you talked about the cap. Yeah. And in terms of that cap, um, he is looking at increasing it to $200,000 for married or joint filers and then $100,000 for single filers. So what that effectively does is if you have a cap that large on your deductions, your standard, your itemized deductions, you're not going, generally, you're not going to itemize. It would avoid the need to itemize, which would simplify your tax returns for 
your for those filers. Yeah, I think I think the underlying premise for your listeners to take away is a there's a lot of cost associated with keeping up with the tax code and and many people I've worked with so many CPAs over the year and I've always got clients you know uh, whenever they file they 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 come back and say hey uh, how long did you talk to the CPA I just got this bill and so <laughs> it's a big cost associated with that and I think simplification of the tax code is a positive just think about it from this standpoint I think the the more you know revenue that the the US Treasury can bring in the the more effective budget planning can be for infrastructure and other things in our economy and so those are all positive and I think right now you know, with as many amendments to the tax code that we've had since it was enacted in the 16th Amendment, um, I think what you have to realize is that there's a lot of loopholes. And so, unfortunately, with the loopholes, we can't get the type of tax base or the collections off the tax base that I think um, most people would, you know, say that we should have based on, you know, being almost a $20 trillion economy in the U.S. So, Simplification of the tax code is is really the I think the 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 main primary goal here, which I'm which I'm for because <laughs> the the more complicated it is, the the harder it is to try to explain you know different strategies to clients and things like that. Well, you make a good point, and I think that ties in perfectly with President Trump's um, regulatory framework because yeah. he has proposed a new modern regulatory framework, and in that framework, um, he his point, which is what Dominique made, is that overregulation has has cost our economy $2 trillion a year, and it reduces household wealth by almost $15,000. So in proposing a new framework, he plans on placing a moratorium on new federal regulations that's not compelled by Congress or public safety, meaning he wants to reduce the amount of regulations that are being passed by Congress and have them considered only if they pertain to certain specific topics or certain specific necessities of of the public. Um, and so he plans on asking agency and department heads to identify all the needless job killing regulations, which is something else you mentioned. There's a lot out there. Um, <laughs> in terms of revising the, uh, the IRS, the IRC, the Internal Revenue Code, yeah. uh, and looking at other agency regulations. He wants the uh, Congress and the administrative agencies to identify what's needless, what's job killing, and then remove those regulations because they are needless and job killing. Yeah, there's good regulations and bad regulations, and I, you know we can probably hem and haw around this subject all day. Everybody has their own opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, we suffered. Uh, 2008, 2009, one of the worst recessions recorded on history. And we've done a great job of recovering around that. However, you know, you, you can, you know, kind of propose that if we can keep continuing to regulate and regulate and regulate, what that does is it kills small business. And small businesses, we know, employ the majority, the lion's share of, 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 of our working public. So I think having a moratorium is probably a good idea, at least to kind of you know, sift through what is needless and what is necessary. Um, and then after that, we can we can see what happens. I, I, I kind of look at these things from a long term. You know, when's the last time we had a, a actually a one term president? It's been a little while. So he, it's likely that, you know, we'll we'll see, you know, President Trump for the better part of eight years in his policies and he'll have plenty of time to. I believe George H. Bush was the last one term president. Uh, the, most recently, the, the first, the, the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, and that was in the '90s, right? Yeah, yeah. So, see that it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been a while. So, I think 
you know, nowhere, no matter where you sit, I think, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, we got to get the economy back humming to where it wants to wants to be. Um, the, the, the jobs rate has continued to go down and that's good. So we're headed in the right direction. I think we just have to, you know, kind of tr- keep on trucking along. Sure. So I think that the the biggest impact will be upon the economy, which is, you know, what Trump proposes to turn around or improve. Um, And in terms of addressing these regulatory issues, um, he is looking at a complete overhaul that will level the playing field for American workers and add trillions in new wealth to our economy. That's the hope. That's the goal. That is the goal. So um, we want to keep companies here, uh, expand hiring and investment, and bring thousands of new companies to our shores. So let's let's hope (laughs) and uh, send positive thoughts that uh, he reaches that goal, because that would be a great thing for the citizens of the United States. If he's able to accomplish that um, by his regulatory framework, by his tax plan, that would be great. We would all benefit as citizens. So, you know, let's send positive thoughts that he has the wherewithal, he has the cooperation, he has whatever tools, whatever resources he needs to accomplish this goal. Yeah, maybe he's going to tweet that out as his New Year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag New Year's resolution. That'd be great. We, <laughs> that's a great, let me tell you, that's an awesome New Year's resolution. We're talking about taxes and financial planning. Anything that puts more money in the pockets of the American workers is a awesome New Year's resolution. We are about to go to break right now. Stay tuned. We'll be back talking more about financial planning, investment, taxes, the economy, and more. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's The Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. Broadcasting with the power of attorney, you're tuned in to It's The Law. Good afternoon, everyone. We're back. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Thank you for joining us. We are going to do this last segment, continuing talking about taxes, uh, President Trump's proposals for the economy, and financial planning for this new year. I'm in the studio today with my super great party hat and my Mardi Gras welcome party hat. (laughs) It is the bomb. It's it's an awesome hat. (laughs) And I'm having the studio with me, uh, Kevin Ebley. Hello, hello. Hello. And Dominique Henderson. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So some of the things we were talking about before we went to break was um, President Trump's proposals uh, for the economy and for as it relates to taxes. Um, So he has proposed to repeal the death tax. Mm -hmm. And basically, that is the estate gift and generation generation skipping transfer tax in the treatment at basis of basis at death. So he thinks that the estate tax should be repealed. So you're looking at a partial or a complete phase out. Um, There was one done from 2001 to 2009, which increased the exemption amount from 1 million to 5 million. So it's possible he may do a partial or complete phase out. um, Or the other option is that he could do a total repeal of the estate tax. And that would take place immediately when he when Congress passed that legislation, or it could be retroactive to January 1st, 2017, or he could make it prospective, meaning that it would become effective January 1st, 2018, 
Or <laughs> there's a lot of uh, options. There's a lot here. of options when it would become effective. <laughs> or he could make it effective mid-year. So there's a lot of variables um, in terms of when it would become effective. But the general idea is that he could either do a partial or total phase out, or he could do an immediate total repeal. And you mentioned this; it can be something similar to what everybody referred to um, as the Bush tax cuts, which was really just a suspension of that. Which you you named the um, or you mentioned that going from the million to the five million. It could be Come, I mean, theoretically, it could become the Trump tax cuts, where we just kind of suspend that for a little while. It's so incredibly difficult to repeal tax law just because it's layered and layered and layered and layered and has been since, you know, like I said, the 16th Amendment. But uh, suffice to say, I think um, the, the those that have estates over that 10.9 million, I believe the number is right now, would be really happy because um, it's... <laughs> If you think about it, there's really three tax systems. There's the income tax, which we're all familiar with. There's the state tax. And then there's the gener generation skipping tax. So there's, there's the chance, depending on how much you're worth, that you could essentially get taxed three times during your lifetime, which is just incredible. <laughs> well, not necessarily during your lifetime. You're only going to get taxed on one of those during your lifetime. Right. The estate, estate tax yeah, and the yeah. generation skipping tax will be taxed against your estate yeah. upon your death. But um, in terms of the layers that you talked about, it's important to clarify that, you know, what his proposal says is that he wants to repeal the estate tax. But in terms of the gift tax, that could remain unchanged because mm. neither his proposal nor the A Better Way proposal um, indicates that the gift tax would be repealed. And so if it's not repealed, you would still have that gift tax in place, which places a tax on gifts that Over you 14, give yes, out of your estate during your lifetime. Yeah. There's so, a ways around that, though. I yeah. mean, if you get with a good tax planner and or financial advisor that has had some of that expertise, um, uh, I know the certified financial planners typically go through um, some rigorous estate planning um, techniques. So, you know, there's ways to take money, if you will, out of your estate, get it out of your estate while you're still living um, and so that you won't, you can avoid that that gift tax. I mean, one of the probably lesser known ways is when you, for instance, if you if you had a son or some children in college, you could write a check to the university directly, not give them a check and let them cash it. You would write it directly to say, you know, whatever university they're, they're going to. And that money leaving your estate essentially won't be there anymore when you die. So and you can do that with medical institutions. You can do that with a, a couple of other entities. Um, and those are just ways to reduce your taxable estate, which is, which is really what the goal is. You're sure. trying to reduce your taxable estate. So sure. even if you hit that gift tax um, of 14000 and you go over that, there's other ways to, to, to work around that if you do some diligent planning. Sure. Um, the other thing is the generation skipping tax, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, uh, Pre President Trump's proposal did not mention the GST tax. Um, so we're not sure where what's going to happen with that, well, it will, whether it will remain the same, whether it will be revised or repealed. But if you look at the A Better Way proposal, that proposal expressly includes the 
the repeal of the GST tax. So that's something else we need to be looking at throughout the year to see what Congress does um, in terms of its proposals regarding the generation skipping tax. Because that can be very advantageous in terms of transferring your wealth. GST is, in my opinion, is is really just a a loophole personified. I mean, it's it, it was essentially a way for you to try to, you know, pass down wealth for somebody that's more than a generation older than you. And, um, you know, basically the tax law got wind of that. <laughs> so uh, there's, but again, there's there's so many different ways to um, stay within the system, compliant, um, and not have the IRS knocking on your door for uh, <laughs> anything that you owe. Uh, but it, 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 it involves not, like we said at the top of the hour, um, it involves actual planning and not waiting to the last minute and things like that. So th- these are probably disciplines that your, your listening audience is already employing, I'm sure. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Two other things before we move off of yeah. this tax issue is I wanted to talk about the child care benefit yeah. in terms of President Trump's proposal. And when you look at child care, um, he is proposing that Americans would be able to take a deduction for children under age 13, 13 mm-hmm. or younger. You yep. could take uh, a child care uh, deduction and um, it would it is not applicable, it's my understanding, that that deduction is not available to married couples or joint filers whose income is $500,000 or more, and then to single filers whose income is $250,000 or more. So you're looking at seeing uh, working in middle-class families getting the bulk or the, the greatest benefit from that child care exclusion. I think the the biggest, that's all correct. I think the, the biggest thing, um, at least for from a planning standpoint that affects or will affect tax filers is the fact that, you know, whereas child care expenses were taken below the line, which means after your AGI uh, adjustments um, from, it will be taken above the line in his proposal, which would actually be a good, I mean, it'd be just like you taking a self-employment deduction or something like that, or um, employer expenses and things like that, that you can take above the line currently. IRA deductions is another thing that you can take above the line, which would re- essentially reduce your tax liability dollar for dollar versus reducing your AGI, uh, which it does currently. So that would be a that would actually be a huge win. That puts more money back into your pocket, essentially, and has you pay less taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing about the child care exclusion is that it would be provided to families who use stay-at-home parents or grandparents mm-hmm. as caregivers, and the elder care exclusion would be capped at $5,000 per year. Um, also, the Trump plan would offer spending rebates for child care expenses to certain low-income taxpayers through the earned income tax credit. And for low-income taxpayers, the earned income tax credit is a huge shot in the arm. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a huge benefit uh, for low-income taxpayers who work and who have young children to care for um, on their tax returns. They usually get a great benefit back at the end of the year from those earned income tax credits. So that's important. And that's well, an important aspect for that group of taxpayers. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, in the in the vein of having the positive move forward uh, for the economy, um, you, you much rather have our tax system um, rebate lower uh, tax spectrum individuals rather than have the government do that through, you know, aid or something like that. that this is a much better system in order to get funds and subsidies back to that demographic versus, you know, 
welfare or something like that. So I, I'm all for that. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, I, you know, I remember during the period of time I worked for the low-income taxpayer clinic, um, that was a huge issue for low-income taxpayers is uh, correctly applying for and getting that earned income tax credit. Uh, and there was some controversy surrounding that, but it's important for them to know about it. It's, a, it's important getting that information out and educating the community that that tax benefit is available, that it is a huge benefit for low-income taxpayers. Yep. And one last thing is that the Trump plan will lower the business tax rate from 35% to 15%. And we talked about this last show, um, or show before last, eliminate the corporate alternative minimum tax, which that AMT is a a huge albatross for businesses (laughs) and for individuals as well, because it sneaks up on you. You, Sometimes you don't know that you will be assessed with it until you actually (laughs) do your taxes and you find out, hey, I've got to pay the AMT. So that's not any fun. Yeah, you usually pay the higher of the two. Um, whenever you're running, it's a parallel tax system. So I, I think what a lot of people probably don't realize is that, you know, corporations get taxed twice. Um, and the uh, the effect is, you know, for decades now, companies like Apple and Microsoft and Cisco have just used the money that they've made offshore and left it offshore. And so what this would probably do, which I think is a really good shot in the arm for the economy, is would probably compel some of those corporations to repatriate their funds back to the United States, go ahead and pay a one-time tax on them, and use that money for infrastructure. Uh, at least that's the ideal. And I, I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, no, that's not going to happen. But essentially, if the tax rate stays lower for a long enough period of time, you could see that happening. And I, you know, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I saw a couple of his tweets earlier, President Trump's. I mean, he, he mentioned that he was going to essentially uh, penalize the auto industry for sending jobs to to Mexico, and then Ford turned around and said they're going to do a, a plant in Detroit. So <laughs> all he has to do is tweet something, and and people fall in line. So I, I think <laughs> well, I think his goal, his ultimate goal, is he's trying to you know um, increase the jobs, yeah. uh, and sort of recover from the job loss. Yeah. Uh, that the economy has sustained, and he's he's working towards that, which that is a good thing. Again, if that helps American workers, yeah. and he is able to create more jobs in the economy and put more people back into the workforce, that's an awesome goal to have. And I wish him all the success at doing that, at achieving that goal. Yeah. And so I, I did see that that's one of the things he's looking at, is creating uh, more jobs for American workers. His His proposal when he was running for office was to create 25 million new jobs over the next decade. If he can do that, that would be awesome. And I I hope that he is successful in doing it because in the long run, that's going to benefit the citizens of the United States. Uh, His proposal is for each 1% in added GDP growth, which is gross domestic product growth, the economy adds 1.2 million jobs. If he can increase that growth by 1.5%, that would result in 18 million jobs over the next 10 years, which with the current 7 million that's projected would be the total of 25 million new jobs for the American economy. Well, so, I, yeah, I think know, people have to just realize, you know, how the, the economic cycle works is, you know, we spend and most of the GDP, is, I mean, 70 percent of it is me and you spending going to the store. But if we don't have jobs, 
then we can't go to the store, sure. which means the the storekeeper or the store owner um, has to go out of business, has to lay off more people, and it's just this vicious cycle. Um, and you know, I, I get the other side of the argument, which is you know, you know, I have to as a business owner find the lowest cost so I can have the most profitability, right? So that's a reason why a lot of jobs left the United States. But at the same time, if aggregate spending goes up because more people have jobs, then that's going to improve the economy. And I think you just have to give give the the solution a little time to work too, right? You do. He just took office uh, a few days ago, <laughs> and it is a proposal, and uh, there are going to be obstacles that he's going to have to face in implementing his plans, um, but hopefully he can reach some level of, of success with meeting that goal, with creating new jobs for the economy. I think that's what most people are, are interested in, is the economy improving and uh, job openings increasing. So if he can do that, that's a, that's a good thing. So that's basically all we have today for our show. But before we go off the air, we did want to go around and talk about our own New Year's resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> so how much time do you have, Kevin? <laughs> you know, we have just enough time, I think. we got about four and a half minutes. Okay, you go. <laughs> oh, you want me you to start? start? Yeah, you start. Um, you know, I, I didn't really set one. But as of uh, today, I think going into the new year, I'm going to try to do the opposite of what I've done before, trying to maximize my tax refund and try to go the opposite direction <laughs> and the way you guys it. have suggested. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there you so go. That's, that's going to be my, new, my that resolution. That sounds good. That's a good one. Any, any other ones? Just that one? That, just that one. Okay. And so one thing we talked about during the break was when you're setting these New Year's resolutions, a good idea is to calendar every quarter, you know, calendar yourself every three months, at the end of every three-month period, look back and reevaluate your progress and where you are in terms of your New Year's resolution and see what you need to adjust, what you haven't done that you still need to get done. And that's a great way to keep stay on track with your New Year's resolutions. Okay. You're up next, Dominique. Uh, <laughs> I saved the best for last. I, I don't, uh, yeah, touche, touche. I, um... You know, I don't really do New Year's resolutions as I was saying, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm me either. I did just come up with mine on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta do the same. So, okay, so uh, number one would probably be read more, uh, read more books, watch less TV, and um, finish my book. I'm actually working on a book right now, so um, hopefully we'll get that done in in this calendar year. So oh, that's a good one. All right, Kathy, best for last. <laughs> now you got to deliver. I got so many. How much time do you have? <laughs> About two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, definitely my uh, New Year's resolution is to get my finances in order. I'm probably going to sit down with Dominique um, and go through and, it, again, do my own assessment, see where I'm at, uh, see where I want to get to, what my goals are, um, any big-ticket purchases I want to make, this year, plan out for them, um, and just set up a plan. It doesn't have to be um, a hard, you know, plan that doesn't allow for any variation or flexibility, but just a plan to get me started on that road to financial success. (laughs) And, um, you know, evaluate it every quarter. So financial planning this year for myself, both personally and professionally, is one of my goals. And, uh, Better care of my health, uh, taking better care of me and taking better care of my health. Sometimes as a solo practitioner, I get spread quite thin or thinly, and um, that's not a good thing. 
So this year, I'm looking to take better care of my health, you know, exercising, eating healthier, getting more rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I could use some of that as of well. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to <laughs> that, That's what 2017 yeah. is for me. It's just, you know, I, I've got to do a better job. I'm getting uh, older uh, and better <laughs> and wiser. A- so. age, aging like a fine wine? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. A very fine wine. An extraordinarily fine wine. The best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me this Monday afternoon on It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Um, We will be back next month, the month of February, and uh, maybe before or after Mardi Gras. And I'll have some great stories to share with you. So um, join us. Look out for the next show. And have a great week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.